0: I don't remember if it was the very first summer 2004. I'm thinking it was the second, 2005, when Antonio and Jenny came to be the missionaries during the summer when they were on furlough at uh, Prairie State's Christian Service Camp. And that's when we met them. I knew of Jenny's father. Uh, I had known of him for years. Jenny comes out of a missionary family uh, her father was Larry Doggett, who then came back and was on the faculty at St. Louis Christian College for many years, And uh, but uh, what a blessing it's been. We have many memories. Uh, one that Jen- Jesse and I will probably never forget is using the hair dryer to warm up the bed before we got into bed because the one january that she went with me down to teach uh, there were almost record colds that january and uh, all of us will remember sitting there watching a movie and all of a sudden starting to smell something burning And it was the soles of Jessie's brand new slippers she had gotten for Christmas where she was trying to keep them close to the space heater because everything was so cold. Uh, Just a couple of the memories, but we have many others uh, that we've shared through the years. Not only with them, but with their children as well as we've watched them grow up. Uh, through the years. So at this time, I'm excited to be able to have Antonio come and share with us the message this morning. He's preaching a sermon titled, Written for Us, out of Romans 15.4. Do you want to use this or do you want to turn it over to your bride? The right side is the advancing. All you got to do is put the one on the left. Right. There you go.
1: Well, good morning. Good, morning. good morning. We're very excited to be here and especially um, being able to share that word with us. And Chauncey told us that you are going to be um, preaching and, and going to be dealing with the book of Romans. Just think about this for a moment. The Apostle Paul. I mean, he writes most of the New Testament, a big chunk of the New Testament. He's the the most successful church planter ever, you know, in the first century. Um, He has an outstanding uh, personal testimony of how he became a Christian. And just think, what kind of things? would he write to the book of Brook, to the, to the church in Brook? Like, he will find out. There is a, a group of Christians in Brook, Indiana. What would he write to them without knowing uh, He didn't plant this church, even though he planted a lot of churches. Uh, but then, as, a, as an apostle of Christ, he feels this need to communicate God. That's what, what, what kind of things would he believe would be the most important things that you need to know? How he would explain, like, like he said, this is the gospel that I preach. The, the same one that I received from the Lord. So, I did not learn it from anybody else, but Jesus Christ directly spoke to me. What kind of things would he say to the church in Brooklyn? Well, the book of Romans is a book like that. It's a book written to a church that he didn't really know. He knew a few people there, but he didn't plant that church. But as an apostle, apostle, he knew how important it was for him to try to communicate the most important uh, concept of Christian faith. What kind of things is so important for us to know and remember and always carry with us? And that is that is the Book of Romans, and that's why it's so important in the New Testament. It's different from other books. It does not deal with a lot of little details, a little struggles of the church, but rather talks about the most important things that we need to know our faith, the foundation of our faith and the foundation of our Christian living it's not just theology it's yes, teaching, but also how we live it out in a daily basis so Romans is, is a book such like that and when Charles said, well we want you to read Romans and I looking at reading Romans and I said, well, I'm going to get one of my favorite verses. And there are so many. There are so many great truths in the book of Romans. So I'm very glad that you are preaching about Romans because it is very important. I think we have to be reminded. So we have to be very solid on that. And I chose 15.4 for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance thought in the scripture and the encouragement they provide we might have hope uh, and I like this because uh, the relevance of scripture for today and people outside the world they don't think it's well they think it's outdated and outdated is bad but right now it. Uh, being old, being antique, for us is not bad. <laughs> being experienced, but today, old is bad. And it's not so. The Bible is um, a book like none other because it's relevant for each generation. And it's relevant for today. And it's relevant for the book, for the Church of Brook, and the Church in Mexico, and the Church in China, and the Church everywhere. And when we read the Bible, we're not reading an old book. We're listening the God that speaks to us today. And we need to know that what is written there is written for us. Today is relevant for today. So we we want to start with that thought. What kind, of, what kind of things you like? We all like different things. Let me tell you one of my favorite things, like the sunsets. says. I like carpentry. I like playing with wood. I like watching movies. My wife was born in Africa. She doesn't like TV. I can throw the TV out the window. She doesn't care. <laughs> she likes reading. Uh, she likes some video games. I don't like video games. You know, she likes some things that I don't like. Um, she likes peanut butter. Uh, I don't like it because it kind uh, it's very dry and it sticks to your throat. Uh, and, and when I told him that, I said, well, that's why you put jelly on it. <laughs> and a glass of milk. Well, you know. She likes mole, that is a Mexican meal that I don't like. And there are things like that. We like. we all have things that we like, but it's not bad. <coughs> but when I was reading Romans fifteen four, it starts with one word. And let me take you back to that. For. <coughs> For everything. For means that it's linked to what he said before. So what is he talking about? <coughs> well, in the introduction The point is that be careful that the things you like do not get in your way (coughs) between you and God. See? Mm It's talking about Christian life, and it's okay to have likes and dislikes, but make sure that they don't interfere with your relationship with God we like a lot of things and like I heard people I like uh, going fishing and Sunday is the best time to go fishing so they go fishing Sundays Oh well, fishing is nice and it's good nothing wrong with it but you shouldn't interfere with God's our relationship with God Right? and we need to be careful because the context of this verse which is a very important verse, worth to memorize, it is that don't, that don't let those things come between you and God. Paul is talking, verses 1 to 3, about pleasing ourselves instead of pleasing God. Okay? Um, I learned something as a husband. When we go through uh, the, where our way home, there is an ice cream place. And when she says, "Look, the ice cream place is open," means Antonio, I, I want you to stop there and get some ice cream. You know, women do that. Uh, they go to the store, and if they tell you, oh, "Look, honey, look at those shoes. Aren't they nice?" They say, "Yeah, they're nice." And you keep walking. Means I want you to stop and go and. and I want to look at the shoes. You know, those, some of the things you learn as a husband, you kind of, kind of read, read between the lines. And we all have things that we like and, and that's fine. But sometimes, those things, pleasing ourselves, it gets in the way of pleasing God. And if you read verses 1 to 3, talks about that. Do not please yourself at the expense of pleasing God. Okay. okay. One of the things that are very important is that in this world, you're going to please everybody, right? There is a song that says that. You're going to please everybody. Uh, the more people you try to please, the more you get in trouble. You know? But there are certain people that are very important to please. Like one of those is my, my wife. You know, even my boss. My boss gets... After I check out time, my boss is forgotten. But I go home to my wife. But one person you have to put in the top of the list about pleasing is God. And, And the Bible is very strong and very clear about the kind of things that God is pleased about and the God, the the things that they don't please So this verse that we're going to see is about pleasing God and not pleasing ourselves. Number one. Everything that was written was written for us. We need to read the Bible. We need to know the Bible, and the Bible is there to let us know about God. And it helps us to please God. Because when God says, this doesn't please me, means you don't do it, right? God is a God that wants to please us. Do you know that? So many things that God gives us. It's like, we pray, it was a daily prayer. And that means food, right? And in a given day, you choose what you're gonna eat, right? So he's generous like that. Today I want tacos. So you go to a taco place and you fix tacos and you have tacos. And that's your daily bread. And and many things, like sometimes you have all these things. Uh, The Bible says that God wants to give you the disciples of your father. Except when they are wrong. See? Except when they're going to get you in trouble. God knows best. And the concept of pleasing God has a lot to do with to understand God's nature, and wanting to please Him because you love Him, because He's good, because You're great. So everything that is written in the past says is the written word, the Bible. Uh, the best kind of evangelism that we have found is the Bible. If, if we can only get the people to read the Bible, but, but you know that statistically. The people in the church do not read the Bible enough? Sadly, that we don't read the Bible enough. We need to read the Bible. Uh, not just read the Bible, we need to study the Bible, and then we need to apply the Bible. So it's written for us, means, yes, it's there for study. But it's, it's so we can live our life. We are the people of the book, and that book's the Bible. You see, the, the Bible is a, is a word that God did through many years, through many people, for us, and then these generations have a a, a, a phrase that I really love, in, in Latin, is the textus receptus, it, it means what we have received. See, the, do you have an idea how many people have died for centuries for the Bible? and even dies nice today, smuggling Bibles, trying to translate the Bible. Even now, translators go to the jungle and go to very isolated places and live there trying to translate the Bible. And, and many pay a price, but they get sick and die, or they are killed. Those very remote places, right now, in the world we live now, are very dangerous, very vile. Like in Mexico, the places are very isolated is where they, raise, they they grow the crops for the drugs. And they're controlled by the mafia. So go over there, it's very, very dangerous. And then there is the places where the Bible is still being translated to other languages. It's happening today. It didn't happen in the uh, Reformation only. People are dying today because of their efforts to give away the, all the people in the Bible. And they have this phrase. This is what we have received. There was a point in that the people that first got the Bible, first got the, the books and started pulling them together by inspiration and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, says this is it. This is it. This is what we receive from the apostles from the Lord Jesus. And there is no more. There is no other books after the Bible, right? This is one foundation of our faith. And we need to appreciate that. The other thing is that it has been given to us because we have the responsibility to keep Scripture. It is not finished. It did not finish in the Reformation. It did not finish when the Bible was first translated into English or Spanish or German. No, keeps going until today and we are the ones that hold the scripture and preserve it for others and that means translating it and preaching it and living it out. Number two, the verses that it was written for our teaching. It means we are students of scripture. You know, and we are, uh, we practice what the Bible says. See, that is when it comes to the authority of scripture. It's not just a very beautiful book, which it is a wonderful piece of literature. It is a book that we live by. It is very sad when a kid asks, his mom or her mom. Um, what about this that the Bible says? And he or she says, all this way something to ask the future." No, that's all. As parents, we are supposed to teach scripture to the kids. Like, and we are supposed to teach the people outside. More than once, I've been told by people that are not Christians say, oh yeah, like the Bible says. And I try to say, the Bible doesn't say that. I say, oh, really? No? Oh. Have you read the Bible? Yeah. Have you read all the Bible? And I said, yeah. Have you read the whole Bible? I, I know Christians that in the first year of being a Christian, they read the whole Bible. As a matter of fact, every year one of our elders used to give us, you know, have a stroke and not able to do it. Uh, gave us a calendar for Bible reading so we can read the Bible in a year. Uh, really, the question I should be asking is not you read the whole Bible. Is how many times have you read the whole Bible?
0: That's right.
1: Right. So we are students of Scripture. And we also have people that are living by this book. And the people can see. And somebody says that the only Bible a lot of people is going to read is the one that you practice. Is the one you live out. And when your life is different, it's what gets people interested. And then we come to the authority of God. <coughs>
0: you know,
1: how are we going to live the best kind of life that so we can live. We don't read the Bible because that's what it is, for. to live the best life that you can live. And it's written by God that, that created life to begin with. Number three, it says to provide endurance and encouragement. And I would like to talk about these two things that are very important, endurance and encouragement. Coming to church one Sunday is no big deal. Anybody can do it. A lot of people have done it. But coming every Sunday, or like this elder that I told you about, like says, I'm going to be in the, ba- in the church every time that the doors are open. Being faithful, you can give an offering once, but giving it regularly, like the Bible says you should, you know, helping your neighbor once or even once in a while. It's no big deal. But do it consistently. Forgiving somebody once. We all have done it. You know, even even the most evil people, people can forgive. But when they want, to whom they want. But forgiving consistently, that's a God. Resistance means... To keep doing it when it gets hard. Right? And to keep doing it always. It's something you do. It's what you do. It's who you are. Not every once in a while. It's a lifestyle. <coughs> and it means also the courage and the drive, the motivation. So, you know, they, they write books about. Uh, how to be a successful person in the business world or anything one thing they say or leadership they said people that succeed in the world and every in anything, they are highly motivated people we should be highly motivated Christians mm-hmm. and I ask you are you a highly motivated Christian you get up Sunday morning and hey Sunday let's go hey uh, we're going to go to the nursing home we're going to go uh, BBS, uh, hey yes hey opportunity to serve I'm there what are we going to do now As people that comes to church say hey preacher, what are we going to do now why don't we do this, why don't we do that highly motivated people uh, are, another one of our elders says that one of the evil that we live in the church is that we, we, if we become Christians of the least effort means when we think what is the least thing that I can do and still make it to heaven it's like I don't, I don't know in Mexico you have seven, 70 below your are you have to have 70 and up to pass the grade, and, and there is a saying that 70 is, is passing and the rest is just pride and it's not true in the Christian life we should exist for excellence we should be highly motivated that's what it's talking about the verse about endurance and encouragement and we should encourage others to do their best that is the work of the church in the sur many people have left because we have pushed them to grow spiritually and you know what I don't consider it a failure, a failure. Because i rather they live to get in the church and stay in there with the idea that they can just do nothing. That's true. Okay, that's not a Christian life. The Christian life is to give it all. Because Jesus gave it all. And the Bible says exactly that. Because He gave it all, we should give everything. and then the verse ends with this phrase so means as a consequence we have hope we can have hope Uh, and that has a lot of meaning hope it means waiting for God knowing that you're going to receive means that we we live like that then what we want from God We got it. We're going to go to heaven. We don't have any doubts. Um, Also, that we can receive from God, that we are going to receive from God. We're certain that we're going to receive from God. I'm already hit the 60 mark. My wife has it. She's younger than me. And my knees and my arms and everything slowly remind me. When I want when I try to do things that I I did when I was 40, I realize I can't. And that's so frustrating. Um, when there are nights that even in a very smooth bed I don't get to sleep. Because my bone aches, I start thinking about everything, a, a new body, and it is just, I can taste it. I, I remember when I was young, and I went to bed, and I got up, and I felt great. Nothing hurt. I felt renewed. I felt rested. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go back to that, that you don't have to worry about Violence and crossing the border and somebody's going to rob you or somebody's going to kidnap you or even in St. Louis and you you hear gunshots or in Chicago and and, like that, no violence, (coughs) that you can travel the world, try all different foods safely, you can enjoy, there is no guilt, there is no pain. There's no worry. Heaven is a great place. And we are assured (coughs) that we are included. We are already in the kingdom. This is what is called in scripture eschatological hope. Means the future is secure. You don't worry about the future. Do you know how many people worry about what is gonna happen tomorrow? Anxiety is the number one emotional sickness and during covid he went just random Random. isolation frustration, and yet we are the kind of people that we can have peace and hope in the midst of see the scriptures gives us hope (laughs) in the scriptures he was hope he was peace and then I got curious I got curious about how see this is 154 so I wanted to know what the first three verses of the chapter talk about but then I, I, I had this question how does the chapter end and I realized that that he finishes with the concept that the verse finishes with He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See? A happy life. And peace. No worries. Because we trust in him. And we trust in him. Because of Scripture, because the Book of Romans also says that faith comes from where? From the Word of God, <coughs> and then by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired Scripture, but it also works in the believer to make Scripture do the job that is supposed to do. And joy and peace are wonderful concepts. The best testimony for evangelism, the most successful evangelistic tool, that Christians have, is living a happy life. If your life is not happy, you are doing something wrong. Something is missing. Now, I'm not saying if you have no problems, that, that's not true. I'm not saying if tragedy hasn't touched your life. Tragedy is going to touch all of our lives sometime, And sometimes more than once. Because we are in a fallen world. But the fact that you can have peace and joy in spite of the tragedy, the, the, the reality that you can overcome tragedy beyond that, that's a bad thing. And when the world sees that, that's a testimony they cannot deny. I, I, and he says, overflow with joy. You know, just a little joy. It's not just a little hope. It's a great hope. See, of, of the many great things that the book of Romans says. I chose this one. There are many others, but what we have received. We have received the gospel. We have received God. We have received the Holy Spirit. We have received everything. There is a verse of scripture that says that He has given us everything. Everything that we need. Everything that's from God. Everything that is good comes from above. It's my prayer that we can rejoice in that every day. And in tragedy touches our lives, we remember that we have the book that takes us beyond tragedy, that gives us the tools. To overcome everything and gives us the tools to take us to that, and is not—it's a living book. Because God, the living God, speaks. To you. Thank you very much. May God bless you.
0: commitment this morning is going to be where he leads, I'll follow. And uh, so uh, let's stand together and we'll see. maybe earlier if we can get everything ready and on the table, there is more than enough food for everybody here. I promise you. I remember getting up one morning though and and, uh, I said, uh, where's Antonio? And Jenny said, he went to get tacos for breakfast. (laughs) I said, oh, good. What are breakfast tacos here in Monterey? And she said, ask Antonio that when he gets back (laughs) so when he got back I said you ain't got tacos for breakfast what's the difference between breakfast tacos and tacos that we were eating last night later and he looked at me like they're for breakfast They were no different. It was the same taco, but we were just having them for breakfast. They didn't do the eggs and all that stuff in tacos. That—that's Also, I learned down there that in Mexico, there is no such thing as a hard shell taco. If it's a taco, it is a soft shell. Period. End of sentence. If it's a hard shell, it's a Tostito or something else. Okay? So... Uh, But it was good. It was good. So, anything we need to say before we close? Again, Wednesday at noon, Senior Citizens Meal here. At 6.30, Meal for Bible Study. Book of Titus. I encourage everybody, it's only both sides when you open your Bible. encourage everybody to read the whole thing. We won't get through the whole thing, but... Uh, we'll be studying, uh, starting to study Titus Wednesday night as we have our Bible study. So, let's pray and then make our way down into the fellowship hall to share our meal together. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing us to hear the Word from the perspective of somebody who is grown up in a totally different culture than we have. But still to understand that the Word of God is so important. And it's what we have received to know how to live.